0: and welcome to the Ohio Valley True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. A quick reminder that a week from today, I'll be on twitch.tv slash OVTrueCrime hosting a live stream to discuss this week's case and other true crime news. You can follow me there at twitch.tv slash OVTrueCrime, and as always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at OVTrueCrime. And now, let's begin. On Thursday, January twenty-sixth, two 2017, 14-year-old Aliana DeFries was heading to school in Cleveland, Ohio. That morning, she did her usual routine of boarding an RTA bus on 93rd and Kinsman. It's something she had done many times before without any incident. In the video footage from the bus that morning, you see that Aliana is talking and smiling as she departed the bus at the next bus stop around 6.50 a.m. What she couldn't have known is that as soon as she departed the bus, a sexual predator had begun to stalk her. 45-year-old Christopher Whitaker, a convicted sexual offender who already had battery and sexual assault on his record, was watching Aliana that day. He had been walking up and down the street for three hours already, and as soon as he saw Aliana, he knew what he was going to do. Although later there would be excuses and attempts to gain sympathy for his actions at trial, Whitaker had decided to rape the young girl. After following behind Aliana on the sidewalk for a few minutes, Whitaker made his move. And the terrifying thing is that he didn't make his move in a dark alley. He didn't even wait until no one was around. In broad daylight and in front of witnesses, Whitaker walked up to Aliana, threw his arm over her shoulder to control her, and guided her away. Later, witnesses would come forward saying that they had seen Whitaker approach and lead the girl away, but they hadn't called police because they assumed that the two of them must have known each other since Aliana didn't scream or cry for help or struggle. It would be easy to second-guess the 14-year-old's actions that day, to wonder why she didn't fight or scream, but I think to do so would be a disservice to her. While we teach children about stranger danger, in the moment, we can never really know what our children will do. We also don't know what Whitaker could have said to her or if he already had a weapon and threatened her to make her go quietly. While all of this was happening, Aliana's family had no idea that something was wrong. You see, in her school system, there was nothing in place to alert parents when a child didn't make it to school, so Aliana's absence wasn't even reported to anyone. It wasn't until that afternoon when Aliana didn't come home that her family realized something was wrong. But by then, it was already too late to save her. Police were informed that she was missing, and a search began. It took days, but finally on January 29, 2017, just a quarter mile from the bus stop, Aliana's body was discovered in an abandoned home on Fuller Avenue. It was apparent right away that something terrible had happened to her. Her body was so brutalized that it took dental records to identify her. During the trial, it would be revealed that not only had Whitaker raped Aliana, he had also tortured her. After finding her body, police followed bloody footprints into another room, where they found a table with a screwdriver, a drill, box cutter, and other tools they believed Whitaker used. But the police didn't have an immediate suspect. The area where Aliana's body was discovered had been dangerous for a long time, and there were almost too many suspects and possibilities to count. In the area, there were around a hundred registered sex offenders. Multiple women had been murdered over a two year period, and people were wondering if there was a serial killer. At the time of Aliana's murder, the other cases were as follows. Jasmine Trotter and Ashley Leziski were killed March 22nd and May 28th of 2013. Christine Malone was found dead on March 23rd of 2013, and a fourth woman was found dead on December 17th, 2012. Unfortunately, I couldn't find much information on these four cases, so I don't know if anyone was ever caught or convicted. Police did submit Whitaker's DNA to CODIS, but his DNA was not linked to any of the other cases. And unlike those unsolved cases, Whittaker had not been careful during the murder. His DNA was found at the scene and on Aliana's body. Police arrested him on February 2nd. They found Whitaker in a home that was miles away from the one where his sex offender registry listed him as living. At first, of course, Whittaker denied the crime. Then, he claimed that it had started off consensual. He said that he had put his arm around Aliana and asked if she wanted to go get high and that she'd agreed. He then claimed that once at the house, Aliana had removed her clothes and propositioned him and then attacked him. He also said that after that he had blacked out and didn't know what had happened. Police found no evidence that this was the case, and anyone who knew Aliana knew that that was a lie. Finally, Whitaker admitted to the crime. In a taped police interview that is both chilling and infuriating to watch, Whitaker said that he wasn't a monster, that instead he had made a mistake. It comes across as very insincere, as did his offer to write a formal apology to Aliana's family. During Whitaker's six-day trial, his lawyers admitted their client was guilty, but tried to get mercy for him by claiming that it was a combination of childhood abuse, mental issues, and drug addiction that caused him to attack Aliana. After all of the evidence was presented, it only took jurors six hours to sentence Whitaker to death for the rape, torture, and murder of Aliana DeFries. But having Aliana's murderer get the death penalty wasn't enough for her parents. Citing the lack of notification for parents when a child doesn't show up for school, her parents fought for legislation that would ensure that this could not happen again. From this, Senate Bill 82, aka the Aliana Alert, was born. The bill would require the schools to notify parents within 120 minutes of the start of the school if a child is absent. On April 11, 2018, the bill passed 33 to 0 in the Ohio State Senate. Getting the Aliana Alert passed isn't the only thing her parents have decided to do to honor their daughter. They also created the Aliana DeFreeze Foundation. On the website, they state, the Aliana de Vries Foundation stands to protect our children while guiding them to a positive educational future. One of our many goals is to provide transportation to the children of families who are indigent and struggle to make ends meet. Another goal of the foundation is to ensure that abandoned houses, apartment buildings, and other dilapidated and condemned structures are demolished. These structures are being utilized to commit heinous crimes and serve as nests for numerous illegal activities. For more information on the foundation, you can visit the Alianadefriesfoundation.com. Aliana's case is tragic, and it really shines a light on, on some of the loopholes we have in our school systems. I know that where I live, if a child is absent and the parent doesn't call to notify the school, we get emails or text messages. What sort of safety systems does your school district have in place to ensure that children don't miss school without the parents knowing? Let me know on Twitter or Instagram, or if you like, you can join a live discussion I'll be hosting on Twitch next Monday at twitch.tv/ovtruecrime. Thank you for joining me for this week's case and I will see you next time.